Thanks for joining Cornerstone for our message of the week. We hope you'll be inspired and encouraged. To connect with our church family and to watch our services live, download our app today by texting Sparks Will Fly as one word, app to 77977. That's Sparks Will Fly app to 77977 or by visiting us online at sparkswillfly.cc. Good morning, everyone. Thank you guys for uh, tuning in, and uh, this is, I guess, our our second week of uh, the uh, having to do uh, Facebook Live, but we're we're glad you're here, and um, we're gonna get right into the uh, word this morning. As um, as I begin to seek the Lord this week, I I was planning on going right back where we went on Wednesday night, and I want to apologize for us not being able to go live Wednesday night. The internet actually uh, went down here, so. Uh, those of you that come to Cornerstone, uh, you know we're we're right here in the country, right here in Sparks, and so uh, internet and, and things like that are limited what we have here. So, uh, but we're glad we're back up this morning. Glad all you guys are tuning in. And so, um, as I begin to seek the Lord, as I said that uh, I, I thought I was going to go one way this morning, where we went on Wednesday night, and I felt like the word of the Lord was just very, very powerful in here on Wednesday night. I've kind of chosen just to to do like maybe like some fireside, uh, maybe like a fireside chat format over the next, and we, we'll change it up. But this is just really what I, I feel like we should do. This is, you know, Stanton and Matt and I, different ones that just get in get in the office here, and we'll just go after some things. And and um, and so I just wanted to take that time to just really get in the office here, share the word, and um, and and so that this is just type the the way that we've just chosen to roll for the next little bit so um a couple things that i felt like that uh as i was going to share this morning is i was reminded of a story that i heard it may have been 15 years ago of a little town and if you remember the last time we met together at the very end of that service i brought up this story about a statue in enterprise alabama and i didn't know at that moment but man we were really just really uh prophetically in that moment uh the Lord was just speaking some things about that. So I begin to go back and look back at that statue and uh, go back and just Google some things and, and begin to study some things about that. And I want to share that uh, this morning. Uh, one of the things that I do want to say to this is, you know, that the news shares one side of it. They're going to share from uh, from uh, the media standpoint or whatever, or science or whatever. And one of the things that they're, they're mainly doing is really, um, as I was watching a thing by Jonathan uh, David Hessler yesterday, you know, it's one thing that we're dealing with a virus, but the other thing that's larger than the virus we're dealing with is a, is a, is a pandemic of, uh, of fear. And so... Um, so we've got to really, as God's people, we got to reset and look through the lenses of the prophetic. You know, what what is God saying about this? And and really, and so I was going to share with you, if you, many of you that don't know this, but you can Google some things that Sean Boltz has prophesied, uh, Cindy Jacobs and Chuck Pierce. And Chuck said in, in September of uh, 2019 that the first three mo- months that the nations would be in turmoil. 
But one of the things that he shared along those lines is Cindy Jacob in January of this year, all of the prophets seem to be speaking about that this would pass over at the time of Passover. So I just want to encourage you in your time of prayer that you pray against, you speak against this virus, and we just declare that as Passover comes, that this thing is going to pass over this nation. And, 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 and this thing's going to be dealt with. And I do believe this, that we are going to be better. We are going to be 100% better when this is said and done as God's people. So, in, uh, and you can, you can look at this up, but in, but in the town of Enterprise, Alabama, if you go to that city square, there is in that city square a statue of a Greek woman holding up on a platter uh, a, a bull weevil hanging up that, and so this is there is a plaque that's hanging on that on that statue, and it says in profound appreciation of the bull weevil and what has what and what has uh, done, and and what it has done, the herald of prosperity, uh, this monument was erected by the citizens of Enterprise, Coffee County, Alabama, and so if you begin to look back in history. At that uh, this bow weevil is not something you would think a town that would hold up a statue or hold up as a platter on a platter uh, b- being thankful that the bow weevil showed up. But one of the things that the bow weevil did is it forced changed. And so I just want to say this, that COVID-19, one of the main things it has done is it has forced change, change to come to the church and uh and and just changing this nation so one of the things that i read yesterday if this thing has shut down and this thing has shut down nations imagine what's on the other side of this you got to believe that the handiwork of god has got something big in store for the church so listen to this since the arrival of the bow weevil from mexico in 1892 it has cost the american cotton industry more than 23 billion in losses and prompted the largest the largest um evolution uh, the largest eradication effort in the nation's history the havoc of the of the havoc of the rot that the havoc that of the bow weevil that wrought on the southern economy was so disruptive that scholars argue it was one of the it was one of the factors that spurred the great migration movement of six million african americans from the south to the urban areas of the north the, the weevil was the first was first spotted in Texas within five years of contact the total cotton production declined by 50 percent local economies were devastated and land values plummeted in 1903, the USDA chief in the Bureau of Plant Industry referred to the pest as a wave of evil. The enterprise cotton gin ginned only 5,000 bales in 1915 compared to 15 the year before. The farmers grew cotton because it did well in the sandy soil and it had the highest profits. There was one other crop that, that could tolerate those conditions and that crop was peanuts. In 1916, a farmer switched and planted his entire crop in peanuts. That year, he earned 18, he earned 8,000 from his crop and paid off prior years of debt and had money left over. This year, this year, coffee, that that year, Coffee County cotton gin was down to fifth to 1,500 bales. Word of his success spread quickly, and farmers who had once scorned the idea of growing anything other than cotton jumped on the peanut train, and by 1917, regional farmers produced over 1 million bushels of peanuts that sold for more than $5 million. By 1919, when the peak of the boll weevil was, was reaching elsewhere in the south, 
Coffee County was the largest producer of peanuts in the country and shortly became the first in the region to produce peanut oil. Now, I want to just say this this morning that we're not in here talking about peanuts. We're talking about a shift that is happening right now across this nation. One of the things that uh, Kevin Wallace said, this is no fad. There is a divine reset. There's a divine reset that has come to the church, has come to America, and things are returning our focus. Now, we don't want to miss this. We, we, we're not going to look through the eyes of the media and get into fear. And uh, we're praying for the families of those that are affected by this virus. But there's no doubt that a reset has come from the way we do ministry. And um, and so if Enterprise Alabama could deal with a with a pest of bow weevil that was reaching across this nation and, and give them prophetic vision to see that there's other things that can be grown besides cotton, we can shift into like what George Washington Carver was doing with peanuts, and we can shift from what the way we've used to do things, and we can start growing something new. Man, I'm excited to see the innovation of things that's going to happen through this. And we've been preaching on this really for the past few months, if you remember remember back that uh, I think it was October of last year, Stanton and I went to a prophetic intensive on St. Simon's. I was awakened in a dream that night. I, God speaks to me through dreams, and God speaks to a lot of people through dreams. If you're dreaming, uh, hello, God's talking to you through the night season. And so in the dream, I, I woke up to the alarm going off. Uh, and, and, the, and the numbers on the alarm was 444. Four is the number of creativity. And so I knew that God was speaking to us. We went to the prophetic intensive the next day. We were going to take a class on dream interpretation. And as we were in that class, the, 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 the instructor asked, who, who in here has had a dream? So many began to share their dreams, and I shared my dream. And she looked at me and said that four is the number of creativity. The reason why you saw it on the alarm clock is, is God screaming now. Now is the time of creativity. So I want to say this, in the midst of this COVID-19 reset, I believe that new, a fresh wave of creativity is coming to the church. I believe through this time of isolation, come on somebody, it's a return back to prayer, it's a return back to the Father's presence. I'm, I'm decreeing over our ministry and our house that new songs are going to come from this, a fresh wave of worship, a fresh wave of being able to do youth ministry, a fresh wave of being able to reach the lost. Now we are forced not to gather but to scatter and get the gospel outside the walls of the church. So, so there's a couple of things. So we've been forced as a church to come up with creative ideas to get the gospel out. Now, when we talk about wisdom and creativity, you cannot separate wisdom and creativity. I'm going to talk for a little bit and I'm going to get y'all in here. So, um, so wisdom and creativity, you cannot separate the two. And Proverbs 8 deals with the subject of wisdom and creativity. It talks about, especially in the Passion Translation I love, it says, wisdom says, I was there at the creation. I was there with laughter and joy. So a lot of times we think of wisdom as some stoic type deal, but, but it is joy. It is, it is a very joyous thing. So, so when we talk about being raised as a Pentecostal boy like myself with strong Pentecostal roots, People think of the Spirit of God as something that happens inside of the church. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, or as a Pentecostal would say, the Holy Ghost moving, we think about uh, a church service. We think about people being slain in the Spirit, people being speaking in tongues, and all of this. But let me say this. The Holy Spirit is far deeper than that, friend. The Holy Spirit is, is in you for you, but He's upon you for someone else. The Bible says in Acts 1 and 8, we shall receive power after that which the Holy Spirit has come upon us to be a witness. 
So there's something when we look at the scripture, it talks about the law of first mention. So the first person mentioned in the Bible to be filled with the Spirit of God is not a preacher. It is not a musician. It's not a worship leader. It's not a youth pastor. The first man mentioned in Scripture to be filled with the Spirit of God is a man named Bezalel. It is found in the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 31. And Bezalel was the man that God raised up and filled him with the Spirit of God, with artistic expression, with all manner of workmanship, with, with, with a craftsmanship anointing upon his life to build the tabernacle in which Moses saw. I really believe that we're going to see a wave, a fresh wave of the Spirit of God to release craftsmen into our communities like never before. We've got to come up with innovative ideas how to teach the kids now that the kids can't come to the local school. This is going to force us to come up with something. And I'm telling you, I believe that God is a present help in the time of need. I believe in Jeremiah 33, if we will call upon him, he will answer us and show us great and mighty things. And I really believe that when all this is said and done, that our school systems are going to perform better. We're going to learn creative ideas, how to teach the kids. All of this creative expression, I believe, is available to the church if we're willing to tap into it. Now, Bill Johnson says this, when unbelievers lead the way in creative expression and innovative ideas, it is because the church has, has embraced a false, form of, a false form of spirituality. So, we're believing for new worship songs to come to the earth we're believing for a fresh wave of expression to come through the church on how to get the gospel out. All right. So, how can you look at how can you say Pastor John, you believe that we're going to be better for this because we stand on the promise of God's word. Listen to Romans 8:28. It says all things all things work together for the good of them that love God and according to his purpose. So God's going to turn this thing around. God is turning the tide now, friend. Don't you cave into the lie of the media telling you we're going to be have millions of deaths. We're going to be dealing with this for two years. All of the prophetic words that I'm hearing says by, by Passover, this is going to pass over. I can promise you this is going to come to pass. All right, so let's think about this. Let's think about the creative expression. We, let's think about Bezalel. If Bezalel sets the standard in which the, which the subject is going to be built off of, of the Holy Spirit, and Bezalel's job is to build what the man of God, Moses, has seen, the tabernacle, God's going to use him and gift him to build. So think about this. In the book of Zechariah, in, in, in chapter 1, verse 18, it talks about four horns rising up to scatter, uh, to scatter the children of Israel, to scatter Judea to scatter them and these four horns are wrecking havoc on this on this uh, on, on the nation of Judah and so as the four horns are making havoc and, and destroying the scripture says that Zechariah also sees four other horns rise up and he begins to ask God God what are these four horns and these four horns God begins to speak back to him and says these four horns are the craftsmen rising up and these four horns will terrify the four horns that came in to destroy Judah my God man I want to tell you this right here I believe as the church will embrace this hour of reset and the church rise up and begin to 
speak the truth of God's word in this hour in our local communities, friends, that, that, that we are the answer to this. The church must rise up. We cannot cave into a spirit of fear right now. We must, we must stand against anxiety and we must stand against fear. We must take the spirit of God which he has placed into our lives and stand up and become the answer in this. You are a craftsman called in this hour. What are the craftsmen? The business owners in our community. The nurses in our community. Come on, somebody. The teachers in our community. If you are if you are a God-given teacher operating in your role as a teacher, you are just as invaluable, just as valuable as the preacher and the worship leader in your church. We're all called to full-time ministry, friend. Nobody's in the ministry part-time. So, what is the answer to the havoc that is going across the nations? The craftsmen to rise up and take their place to do what they do. All right. All right. So let's think about this. Let's put it like this. So what are, what are some things? I want to say this. The COVID-19 has caused us to come with creativity and innovation. Now, let's talk about this, what I saw you doing the other night with the Zoom call. How has this forced creativity when it relates to teenage ministry? Absolutely. Well, um, so obviously this is new territory for everyone. Corporate ministry, worship teams, youth teams, media departments. And so um, I've actually even changed my language, man, over the last week where, you know, I just kind of half-heartedly, you know, will make a comment like, man, I feel like I'm in jail or I feel like I'm in prison. And I've even changed that and I've thought, you know what, I'm going to stop saying that. Because, and, I, and I'm going to answer Pastor John's question, but I was reminded of something even this morning that I came in here early this morning and shared with him. And so I think this kind of relates to how we can apply um, creativity and the bezalel and the artisan and the craftsman anointing into even our student programs as well and our student ministries. I believe it was in 1660 or in 60, uh, 1665, um, there was a great plague. It was, uh, it was called the Great Plague of London. And during this time, Sir Isaac Newton, actually, he, he would have been in his young 20s during that time. And rather, and rather than, um, you know, succumbing to the fear and succumbing to the pressure um, and just the anxiety that was surrounding the world during that time, Sir Isaac Newton decided to go and to get away and to say, you know what, I'm going to be creative. I'm going to birth something great out of this time. And because of that and because one man chose um, to stand up and to be creative and to focus on that time and to not let the time pass him by, he defined the law of gravity. That's what, when we mentioned the term gravity, is because of that time. And I thought this was so cool, Pastor. It, sa it says this, when you research this, it says that those years of that great plague of London were known as the wonder years. Come, Come on. on, man. During this time, right. God is releasing a fresh childlike wonder yes. and, so, and, and childlike faith because unless you come as a little child, you can't even enter. That's the right. kingdom, man. So taking us back to that first love and just being satisfied with being in his presence yes. and being together. And so anyway, well, what pastor asked me, um, you know, about the student ministry, I just believe that we're not called at this point any longer to just have cute little youth ministry. 
And so I'm just convinced of this, man, that this has pushed us because all things work together for the good. This has forced us to be creative. It has forced us to come together. Um, you know, I've been texting some of my student pastor buddies that are, you know, spread out throughout America. And I've been saying, hey, what are you guys doing? Let's communicate. Let's talk. Even at FCA, my brother Thomas there at Azalea City, me and him have been talking. How do we get the gospel out? And I think, man, the internet, we were just looking at some, you know, the streaming and different things. More people are being reached with the gospel That's now right. on, than people that are that, that would That's probably right. never darken the doors of the church. That's right. um, so don't be so fixated on the four walls of, well, I've heard so many people, well, I'm just so mad at this. I'm so upset about this. Listen, Dutch Sheets released a word that our nation's going through a rebirthing, man. And so you've already heard that from Apostle this morning. So I just want to just, you know, just release hope into the hearts of the student That's pastors right. that may be watching this and, and youth leaders to say, hey, man, we're going to recover. Everything's going to be fine. Matter of fact, it's going to be better. That's the that's the process of the kingdom. You get back better than what you had to begin with. Right. And so this is the hope that we have of, 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 of people of the kingdom. This thing is turning around. And so Zoom, Internet, Facebook Live, Instagram, Come Snapchat, on. use the tools that are out there. Don't allow the culture to set the definition or to set the standard. The church can be innovative. We yeah. can impact technology. We can impact television. We can impact media. And so we got to get it a place of rest. Yeah. This is what's forcing us to, this is what it's forcing us to do. This is a time of forced rest. That's right. You cannot dream unless you rest. That's so good. You must get into a place and a posture and a position of your elevated posture, seated with Christ in heavenly places, and realize that this thing is already won. God is not concerned about this virus in the least bit. He's not up in heaven worried. Take your rightful place. Be creative. Right learn, grow, and refresh and rejuvenate during this time. Let me say this. I was also reminded, you know, Bob Jones, you could Google this, uh, the 100-year prophecy that he released, and he said that when we came in our 20s, Bob also had a couple of words that's just come to come to pass, you know. One of the things he said that, um, as Bob said, that when the, when the Chiefs, when the Kansas City Chiefs win the Super Bowl, he said that you will know that we're in, the, in that prophetic season of great increase of revival in this nation because God's chiefs, his apostolic chiefs, will be in place. When you see the chiefs win the Super Bowl, that is a sign that the apostolic chiefs are in place in this nation. My God, I feel the Spirit of the Lord on that. And so he also talks about in his 100 year, you can Google this happened at Bethel Supernatural School of Ministry. You can Google Bob Jones' 100 year prophecy. He said that when we enter into the 20s, it'll be the decade of his rest. And in the first quarter of entering into 2020, we all been quarantined, put at our house, forced rest upon us, which is going to cause a fresh, it's going to cause a fresh wave of dreams and inventions. I'm telling you, the song of the Lord is going to be released in this hour. So the last thing I want to deal with this about innovation and songs, listen, we're forced to gather in our house. How many, I hope you know this, that worship is not something that you do in the church. If the only place we worship when we come to church, by the way, that is why some of our, we have to sing about 30 minutes of praise song and sweat just to enter into that place. So I believe as when we are allowed to come back corporately together, because I love the corporate expression. But if we will take this time and worship God in our houses, oh, my God, when we return back to, to, the, to the house of God, how powerful is the corporate expression? So just, just, just touch on that idea just for a second. Um, so he was talking, and uh, 
I think we've all said it now, the, the Passion Translation, if you don't have one, you need to get one. But That's right. The, the Proverbs 2 in the Passion Translation, verse, uh, Proverbs 2, verse 2 says, So train your heart to listen when I speak, and open your spirit wide to expand your discernment. Then pass it on to your sons and daughters. So I think that speaking that, listen, you've give, been given a place to, to just get away from everything, That's distance right. yourself from thousands of others' distractions, and and, and listen to the heart of the Lord like that. I had a uh, a guy text me last week. Said, hey, I'm working on a song. I'm going to talk to you about some lyrics. You know, I don't know what to do with this. Some of my younger girls are writing songs, sending me songs, lyrics, and, and melodies and things. So it's already happening. The, That's right. You know, the they're hearing things. They're hearing chord progressions. They're hearing lyrics. They're, you know, and uh, like you said, I think that me being home with my children, you know, we get so used to doing songs. So me being home with my children, just spending time with my children, is far more worship than, than standing up and singing a song. And I think we need to learn and have a better definition of what worship is. Sometimes there's more worship going on in the offering when you give your offering than in the song service. Yeah. So so our idea and what we think worship is is shifting. I think the wineskin of worship is is shifting where we come in and sing three or three songs Two fast songs and one slow song. We jump during the fast song. We come in and just jump in the river, and we do what the heart of the Lord wants to do. Right. And it's not this formulaic uh, thing that we just knock out before the preaching. Yeah. You know, we're not going to be preaching in heaven for, for all eternity. We're going to be worshiping. Yes. So I think we're God's hit a reset. Just like we said, God hit a reset, and we understand what true worship is, spirit and truth. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Hearing the what the heart of the Lord is and declaring thing over the people. You know, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, uh, prophecy going forth over people who, who may come in with no hope that morning. Yeah. You know, and being able to hear and discern and speak what the Lord's saying in that moment. So we're going to see that fresh wave, I'm just telling you, of worship, I believe, come through this and come from this. You know, one of the things that I was reminded of this morning uh, is that when I just come to my office of, uh, Malcolm Gladwell's book, The Tipping Point. One of the things he says is change doesn't happen gradually. It happens in one dramatic moment. And I'm telling you, a dramatic moment is taking place in this nation. And change is coming. I'm just telling you, this is forever going to change the face of this nation. It's going to change our communities. And I'm not talking about change for the worse. I'm talking about change for the better. You're going to see, we're just going to see great expressions come from this over the next few months and over the next few years. So the second thing I want to talk about this morning is that one of the things that the COVID-19 virus has done, besides force us into a place of creative expression, it has forced us to stay put. So now we are we're non-traveling at this time. Boy, this time of year, my family is super busy. I have three boys, all play baseball. And so tie, this tie is just like work is just come home, crash, go to bed, wake up, do the next thing over again. And so now we're forced to all stay put. Now, one of the things that is really big on my heart, we talk about this all the time, and we're talk, we talk about movements. We're connected to movements. I thank God for our connections that we have really all over the earth. I mean, as I was on my way this morning, um, I had one of, the, one of the leading places in America called me this morning on my, on my phone. So I'm thankful for our connections, and I'm, thankful of, I'm very thankful for that. I believe we all should have connections. We should, always, we should be connected to something larger than what we are. But 
one of the things that this has done is caused us to stay put. Now, let me say this in this. One of the things that I preach here that's heavy on my heart is to see city transformation. You know, one of the things this has done is it's taken our focus off of our church and really placed it onto our whole community, which which is where... Uh, first of all, let me say this. God is not Baptist. He's not Methodist. He's not Church of God, Foursquare, Nazarene, or Tangerine. And he's not independent. And so I believe that to have the vision of God, we must have a world vision. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. America's just one small slice of the pie, and God is hungry. It's not his will that any should perish. God is after the nations of the earth. Come on, somebody. And the Bible says that a nation can be born again in a day. So we have definitely got to raise the standard. I have been planted in the south. I have been privileged to go elsewhere, but I am planted by God in the south. And, man, it is a struggle in the south. We deal with so many things. Um, uh, the, the spirit of religion is just unbelievable in the south. But we know that the gospel of the kingdom shall prevail over that. And so, but one of the reasons why that we have not seen city transformation is I, one of the things I believe, and I believe one of the major things that has, has, uh, has contributed to us not seeing that is the ability to stay put. So I believe God wants to plant some people. You know, I saw a powerful illustration a while back. You take a nursery plot. You, you say, well, Pastor John, you know, I, I, I hear what you're saying, and, you know, and my life just doesn't seem to change. Let me tell you the number one way why you change your life. You change your life by planting yourself in the house of God. The Bible says those that are planted in the house of the Lord, they shall flourish. You take a nursery pot. You can go to Walmart. You can go to Blows. My wife loves flowers. She's always wanting to buy new plants and new trees or whatever. But you take a plant. You take a, a, a nursery pot and plant. As beautiful as it is, you can take it everywhere you want it. You can put it in your car, travel around with it. You can take it to Valdosta. You can take it to Tifton. You can take it wherever you want to go. You can go to Atlanta with it. But the number one thing that is restricting the growth of that plant is the fact that it is found, it is held and constrained by that nursery plot. The nursery pot. The only way to break that restriction off of that plant is to put it in the ground. Once you put it in the ground, come on now, it cannot. It, it's no longer mobile, but the restrict. But but it has the freedom to grow. I know a lot of leaders are worried in this time being how we can't gather if our people's gonna come back. Let me tell you, those that God has planted in your ministry, friend, they'll be back at the house of God. Come on, somebody, uh, they'll be there. And so so this has forced us to be planted somewhere that I believe God has been speaking to me about this for the last three years. So we we have to be planted in the city. Now, let me just say this. Because of what I said, COVID-19 has forced us to not only see the church, but get outside the walls of the church and see the city. Now, how many leaders... How many leaders, there's a scripture, I wrote it down, Luke 19, verse 41. God gave me this scripture over a decade ago. The Bible talks about Jesus' approach into Jerusalem. And the Bible says that he beheld the city. When he saw the city, he began to weep. I believe this is going to force leaders to not only see their church, but see their communities. 
my, 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 my. Listen to this. The scorecard of the gospel of how well we're doing as a church is not if your church is growing. That is not the scorecard of, man, first of all, we have got to tear down what success is. Success is not running a lot of numbers. There'll be a lot of success. If we just looked at numbers as success every time the Falcons play, that would be a sign of success. So success is not measured by how many people we're running. Success should be measured by how many lives are being transformed into the likeness and to the image of Jesus. So the goal is not to build wide, but to build deep into people's lives. So the scorecard is not how well my church is doing. The scorecard which I grade the ministry here at Cornerstone is not by how many ties we're taking up. It is not by how many we got on the roll or how many people we're baptizing. The scorecard of the church at how well we're doing is the condition of our city. And when I look at the condition of my city, I see a lot of improvement that needs to take place. I see a lot of innovation, a lot of creativity, and a lot of wisdom that needs to hit my city. The fact that the gang problem in our city is enough to, to it is enough to disturb every leader and every preacher in this town to force us to get outside the walls of the church. We're still segregated. I know that that was done away with in the 60s, but we're still segregated from Sunday mornings from 11 to 12. So there's a lot of things that's got to happen. So listen to this. In 1988, a small group of people begin to get together. And they begin to have this small group to, to target in prayer of how they could change the city of Boulder, Colorado. And so they prayed for two months. They would seek God. They would pray, earnestly pray together. They would meet once a week. And after they got through praying, they would go to Denny's and have dinner and discuss the thoughts on what they were here. After meeting for two months... God released two words, and the two words that were released were love bolder. Now, I believe that God wants to give us a fresh baptism of love for right where we're planted. I know a lot of leaders, man, that hate the city in which, they're, in which they live in. And I, I, I don't know what that's like, man. I, I think that we've got to change the way we look at youth ministry. Youth ministry is not something you do as the training ground to get to become a senior pastor. Because one of the views we do that is we always look at the youth as they're the church for tomorrow or the church for the next day. My God, they're the church of right now. I mean, Paul told Timothy, don't despise your youth, but be an example right now. We need to train our kids be an example right now. I mean, we're limited to how we could preach in the high school, but if we could ignite the kids, man, and turn them loose to preach in that school, I believe God will see massive move, massive revival. The greatest revival that happened in the book of Acts, the 19th chapter, where unusual miracles will happen by the hand of Paul, did not happen inside the church. They happened at the school of Tyrannus. I believe God wants in the schools. So, so youth ministry and the things that we're doing are not stepping stones into some other greater ministry. If you look at where I look at Stanton, Stanton does not have the small ministry here at the church, and I take care of the big ministry. We look at we look at this as our church being planted like Matthew 13 in this community and we see this entire region when we pray we don't ask God to bless Cornerstone we ask God to bless this city and this entire region I pray that God ignite the heart of every leader and every church in this community listen here when when the when you, when the other churches in this community are doing well it means the kingdom is growing in our community and I pray throughout this that we're going to see a shift from our leaders being church-minded to kingdom-minded. And we'll realize throughout this that we need each other. 
that there is a power in unity. There is a power in unity. And we said this on Wednesday night, that the new wine that God is releasing is going to be found in the cluster, not the grape. The one-man shows are over with, man. So let's look at this. In Jeremiah 29 and 7, the Bible says God speaks to them, and he says, seek the peace and the prosperity of the city in which I have planted, in which I have planted, uh, placed you in exile. If your city prospers, then you will prosper. Man, I want to tell the business owners of this community, we have got intercessors praying literally all around the world for your businesses right here in Adel, Georgia. With the people that we are connected to, man, I'm telling you, people from all over the world are praying for your business. I'm telling you, friend, do not give up. Your business is not going under, but you are going to succeed like never before. This may be a trying time that we have to stand on the word of faith and we have to stand on God's word. I found this to be true in my life when God gives us a prophetic word that he's fixing to bless our socks off a lot of time we enter in a season that looks like it is totally opposite of what that word said the Bible says until the word of the Lord came to pass it tested Joseph but I can promise you if you will not give up and you will stand on the promise of the word that you have over your business and over what God has said in your life you're going to see that come to pass so so we've been forced to we've been forced to stay planted. We've been forced to stay planted in this season. Now, so if we if we become planted, if we become planted in this season, one of the things that I wanted to share, and I was sharing this with with an intercessor friend I have that, that lives down uh, in 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 Brunswick. Earlier this year, well literally this has been about a two-year process. And this really started happening in the 2000, the 2019. Let's just, we, we not held by time constraints right here. I just want to go back and share some things right here. That really, God really started speaking to us at the close of 2017. We started really seeing the tide turn. God started opening up unbelievable doors. We were placed in front of national leaders across this nation. We seen God do the impossible with three young guys from Cook County, Georgia. We were in places that there is no way without the favor of God we could be standing in that place. From the the flights that we took, from, um, I mean, all the things that happened in that, in that season. To bring in eight national leaders, eight national leaders in one year to this church in Sparks, Georgia. Friend, one of them set their private jet down at the airport out there, and I know, I know they had to be in culture shock as they was riding down the road to this church. Because if you've if you've not been here, friend, we are in a little bitty town with one red light. I mean, we're on the back street. We're in the total opposite place you would plant a church. But in God's wisdom, he hid this place to be a gem in this region and to be an apostolic resource center. I don't believe that. I don't believe in elitism. I don't think I'm better than anyone else, but I do know the call of God on this church's life, and that is to break ground, and we are to be a resource center uh, for things to, to happen. 
And so we bring these national leaders in. And we're all excited, just like anybody else would be. And, and you know, and I, I stood on the word that I received in 2008 that God said that this would be the breakout year. And I stood a decade on that word and had almost given hope in that word. And I'll never, be, I'll never forget being in um, the convention center in Columbus, Ohio, when God used a complete stranger from Pakistan to come up and re-herald that word back into my life. The first word she spoke to me was the prophetic word that I had received in 2008. So I knew that there was something happening. Man, God was moving what had been laid dormant for a decade. Now God was putting into acceleration and he was bringing it to pass. And so in that, but to be honest with you, I, I missed, I missed really what God was saying in that word. I thought when God spoke to me out of Isaiah 54 to stretch forth the tabernacle and stretch forth, lengthen the cords and strengthen the stakes that God was about to take us and we were going to be traveling all over the world. And I'm thinking, listen, there's nothing wrong with traveling and, and, and standing in this room and man, we all have the privilege of traveling so I'm not saying that I'm not speaking as one that don't have the privilege to go somewhere we can go somewhere if we, we want to go somewhere but I felt like the Lord was doing something deep in my heart when it comes to this thing about being planted and this thing about being isolated. I believe it is God's will to hide certain people in the earth, man. I'm just telling you, I believe God is all in this. I do not believe God is in the virus, but I do believe God is in this season of hiddenness, man, and isolation. God is trying to reset our focus back to what is really important. And what's really important is what Matt said. What's really important is not about you cutting a new EP or new CD. What is real important is you taking your children and explaining them the Word of God, taking this time in your house to worship in front of your children, to pray in front of your children, and speak the Word in front of your children. I told my my uh, eight-year-old little boy yesterday, I said, one of the greatest things, I said, I told him, I said, you know what's the greatest thing that I, that I've about this whole time that we've had to go home and no school? He said, what's that, Dad? I said, the time that I get to spend with you. And I just watched how it just changed his whole facial expression, man, and how excited he made him to hear his dad say that. And you know, every day that our Father in heaven is saying how glad he is just to spend that time with us. And so I believe God is in this isolation. I believe God is bringing us back down to, to refocus some things where we've had it out of control, where we've had it wrong. So in this that, Stanton, you begin to travel and God puts you in front of in front of some national leaders all across America and the pictures you have in your office are unbelievable and I couldn't believe it the favor that God released on your life to, at such a young age to put those national leaders in your life and we were just all excited and but something kept something kept gnawing in me. And I watched God answer one of the greatest dreams that we believe for. We stood on a piece of property. Uh, us us three stood on that prophecy which me and my wife stood there first. And we claimed this piece of property, and I thought there was no way I would get this piece of property. And I remember when the real estate agent come out there, uh, he said, you're never going to get this pro property at this price. And I looked at him, and I said, are you a spiritual man? And he said, I like to think so. I said, well, let me tell you what God said. I'm just telling you the power of when God speaks, friend, it shifts something. It makes it. And what we stood believing for just a few years ago, I was able to purchase that at the beginning of last year, and we own that property now. And we're able to teach and train inside of that property and just hold meetings that we that that we do uh, that's just um, – just what we call the sons of thunder where the sons gather around and we just talk back and forth so this place of being planted so 
we did the travel. We come back. 19 was rough. It was just a rough year. It seemed like God just cut the faucet off, like he was toying with us. I mean, do we travel? Do we not travel? So uh, my, my oldest son turned 16 this year, and I, I was able, through the goodness of God, purchase him a, a, a truck, and, and we put a system inside of that truck. And at this point, I, I, I basically only listened to uh, praise and worship. And my son was listening to some country music when I got into him, and he had a song playing. And in this song, I said, man, that's a good song. And so he said, Dad, I'm not just going to listen to worship, being how I got these speakers, you know. And I was like, man, come on, you can, get, you can turn anything on, you know. But he's listening to a little country or whatever. And so anyhow, this song came on. And so I heard it. And to be honest, that these two know that when I hear a song, if I like it, I just milk it for all it's worth. I play it 100 times. And so in this song, this song started. I'll tell you the name of the song. The song is by Jason Aldean. It says, Keeping It Small Town. And I begin to listen to this song, and then I begin to, I had an encounter with the Lord. I know this sounds crazy to some of you, especially to the religious. How could you have an encounter with the Lord? The two greatest encounters I had about my family coming to Sparks came off of country songs. One, Somewhere Summer, summer in 75 uh, by Joe Nichols. God, I had a divine encounter with the Lord with that song because God was promising me that as I gave up everything that I'd known to move my family to this town, that it would always be summer near 75 for me and my family. And God has held that promise to me the seven and a half years that I have lived in this town. So, so back to the song. So the, the song talks about we're proud of the name upon that water tower. Man, I'm, I'm, I really feel this thing this morning. That we're proud of that name upon that water tower. Folks, there's a lot of leaders that have come to this town and looked at this place. It's just some podunk. Just some puny town. But I'm telling you, this is the place that God has planted us. And if you're here as a pastor in this city, God didn't call you here for your church. He called you here for this people. We as a church have got to pray for, for our mayor, for our, for our elected officials in this city. Man, I'm not asking for any elected official in this town to struggle or do without or, or make a poor decision. If they make a poor decision, it costs us. It affects our whole community. So I'm praying. I'm praying for the mayor that God would give him the supernatural wisdom, man. I'm believing for our county, Cook County, to be just like what I read to you. Enterprise, Alabama. I'm believing that there be no COVID-19 cases in our community. I'm believing that, friend. I pray that every day. I feel the power of God in this office. I will not accept an economic failure to come to my town. This is my town. This is where God planted me. And I refuse to allow that to happen. I will stand like Ezekiel in Ezekiel 37 in a valley full of dry bones and prophesy to the wind and say, live, old bones. There's not a business that is going to dry up in this community. Why? Because you are living under the grace of God in the the place where God is moving. I speak that over your business. So this, this, this whole concept, and I remember sitting in the playoffs last year, watching my son play baseball, and I began to scan the stands. And to be honest, when I first moved here, I remember thinking, how can I live here every day in this town? I'm just going to be hit, man. I don't care if you hate me, love me, or whatever. But I, I just, this town... It didn't have the vision of the city that I was from. And there was a needed lot of work in some areas. And I said, God, I don't know if I can live here. And little by little, God began to touch my heart. And I noticed who was sitting in the stands of the community was behind this baseball team. 
And I got to looking at the black and the gold and the hornet on the front of that jersey. And I remember that Sunday coming to preach about just from the HGTV couple of the Scotsman, the, the Scotsman Trade Company, and this couple that bought into Laurel, Mississippi. And we started, we started listening to like Isaiah 35 about the wilderness and the highway of holiness and what God was doing in these wilderness type places and then we started studying like John the Baptist who was in the wilderness and the Bible says until the word of the Lord came to him and then I started thinking man the wilderness the wilderness is not some horrible place the wilderness is a place of hiddenness that God brings the fresh revelation and the fresh manna from heaven man uh, to our lives and so we really begin to buy into or I begin to buy in to this is the place where God has planted us in Sparks, Georgia this thing of isolation, I'm telling you, God is putting a reset and a refocus where the leader can begin to focus not on his church, but on his community. Man, I want to see the school system do well in this community. And I can tell you this. I, listen to me. You can remember this fat, bald-headed man said this, Spark said this. Our schools are going to be 100 times better when we come back together after, after this COVID-19. We will have more innovative ideas because of this than what we would have if life would have went on as normal. Everything is about to shift and change, friend. We have got to paddle the surfboard now. Now is not a time to be in the house, hunkered down in fear. Get your surfboard out, paddle it to the wave because a massive wave is on the horizon, even, even economically. I was listening to Sean Bolts. Regardless of what you think about prophecy, I can tell you this. The Bible says we're in the year 2020. The Bible says Chronicles 2020, believe in the prophets so you shall prosper. Come on now. I ain't got time to break this down out of Ephesians 4 and 11, but if you believe in a pastor and you believe in a teacher, you must believe in the other the other three gifts that go along with that. That is an evangelist, an apostle, and a prophet. The Bible says they are t they are here to the uh, until the saints walk in perfection. Other words, perfect, perfect um, perfection. And so until you see the church on the earth look like the head which is Jesus in heaven these five are going to remain and they're going to they're going to be equipping the church with this grace and the prophet equips the church to be able to hear from heaven and the and the apostles are master builders they're ones building in the region moving a region an entire region closer to God just cause you got apostle printed on your card that don't mean don't mean who you are so listen to this so I got to go back to this so I'm listening to this song and it says they're proud of that name on that water tower. And I felt like God was dealing with me that maybe in times past that I hadn't been proud of the name on the water tower. I remember standing in Columbus, Ohio, when we were at the call. We were at the revival man, the call. And I remember the guy from Bethel coming up to us. And he said, what are you guys doing from South Georgia? And I knew that I knew because where we were from, it was just not looked upon. Even ESPN don't give Georgia sports no hope, man. I mean, the dogs are, I know they let us down a lot, but I mean, Georgia just is not a hot bed for anything, according to some people. And so I felt like that song was saying, we're proud of that name upon that water tower. We're proud of that dirt that's on our boots. And it says we're all just, we're all just backbone, blue-collar people. And that's what we are here. 
Hey, friend, I've been privileged to ride a private jet and fly into an airport. And let me tell you how that feels when you get off with your briefcase, getting off a private jet that you've chartered and you're flying into a city to meet a businessman. I know what that feels like. It made my head where it couldn't even hardly get in this office. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, here in Cook County, we're all just backbone, blue-collar people. And I believe one of the things in this that God's trying to give a love a deep divine love for the people in this community. So out of all of that prayer for two months of these men trying to bring massive city transformation, could it be that simple? Could could it could really it be that simple? That the simple thing is just love. Just love Tifton. Just love Valdosta. Just love Adel. And I, when I came to this church, one of the lies that I began to tear down about Sparks was, or about Adele was, it's always said that Adele is so close to hell you could see Sparks. I said that'll never be said. And I even wrote in the 10-year vision that what we said, that Adele's so close to heaven that you could see Sparks. I'll never forget saying that one service and going home. And Ernie Johnson was broadcasting a game and Caleb Cowell come to the plate. And he said, there used to be a saying down in Adele that Adele was so close to hell that you could see Sparks. He said, but I bet they're not saying that anymore. And I want to tell you something. I believe that God designs not only for just Caleb Coward, but there's going to be many that arrive to rise to a national platform from this ground in this community. God's heart and desire is for that. So I want to just, I, I, I know I've been going long on that, but let me just say this. Maybe we close it with this today. I believe, I believe for me that God's planted me here. I gave up everything we known to move to Sparks. We left our family. We left our land. I left a job of making it in the upper six figures to come here to this county. I never would have dreamed the journey would be where it is today and all that God has done. But I can honestly say as a leader here, I love this community. I am a hornet through and through now, black and gold. I want to see our schools do well. We pray for the teachers. Man, friend, we pray for you. In loving a community means that you begin to serve them without an agenda. This has crippled the church, Sandy. We can't serve people unless they believe the way we do. Friend, I don't care, I don't care what you believe. I'm not here to shove Jesus down your throat. What, what I'm here is to model something that is not here in this city. I'm, my life is to model heaven on earth. That is what we're here. My God, if we could just get the church to serve people without an agenda, truly loving them. You don't have to believe the way I believe. We're segregated, really, and we get upset over about 3% of doctrinal issues. We can agree on 97%. So let's just say this. So in this last thing, what you're seeing is we said that God don't want us to gather around doctrine, but God wants us to gather around fathers. So this is what I felt like God told me in that song, and I'll never forget I'm going to end with this, and you, could, you two can talk whatever you want to respond to this. That I felt like God asked me, he said, would you give up your dream of being big? Well, I had preached that. I had preached against the big. I don't want to be big. I mean, I guess I'm big in size, but I didn't want to be big ministry-wise. And, and so, but the Lord was going after something in my heart. And it was a, it was a, it was a, a lust to be known. 
I wanted, I felt like I got caught up like every other leader gets caught up in this hamster wheel of just making the church a success, just making a church a success. Friend, and there's so many leaders right now in this town as a pastor, let me tell you what they're struggling with. They don't even know how they're going to survive without, because we're not meeting, will people still give? Well, I mean, how's the church? Listen, I have seen God provide supernaturally, friend. I'm telling you, we're going to survive in this in this time. We're going to survive. My family's not going to stop giving, friend. We're going to give like never before. The Bible says in Genesis 26, Isaac sowed in the land of famine and reaped a hundredfold. We're giving. So, so he said, would you, would you give up your dream of being big? And I really, I, how many knows when God asks you a question, he's not looking for the answer? He, he's, he's not. He, the reason why he asked me that, because I didn't know I still had that in my heart. And I said, yes. And so I remember picking you up to go to lunch. I cried for three days listening to Jason Aldean's song. We're just backbone blue-collar people. This place runs 35 miles an hour, and we're proud of the name on the water tower and the dirt on our boots. And I looked at you and I said, I'm going to give up my life to raise up, to raise up, to raise up sons that'll shake the earth. And I was like, and I remember you looking at me and you was like, man, and I just knew that we probably didn't understand what the moment was that day, but I mean, we we're both broken or whatever. So what does it look like? So what, what am I saying? What it looked like to me to stay planted in this isolation is forced is it's caused the superstar Christianity to cease. Friend, there's one superstar in the church. His name is Jesus. That is the only superstar. Now today, today the, the, the success is how many Instagram followers, how many Facebook followers. Friend, let me tell you something. All of that are mailed away. The only thing that will last is what you've taken your life and what you've broken and planted in someone else's life. The best ground you could ever sow is in someone's life. Invest yourself in that. We've got so many people that live for themselves. If, if you have a ministry where you're living for yourself and it's all about you being at the front, friend, whenever you go to the ground and that mic hits the, hits the stage, that is it. That's all over. But if you have planted your life into people, there's a, there's a weird scripture in Hebrews chapter 11. It says, Cain, it says, Abel being dead, yet he speaks. How does a dead man speak? He speaks through legacy. And legacy is not the money. It is not the farm. It is not the cars that you leave to someone. It is the life that you leave inside of them that you have invested into them. So this shift to the legacy mindset and this shift of being planted in a local community. So Paul says this. In 1 Corinthians 4. We got time to break all this down. I don't want to go too long because people be like, hey, man, he's going to preach for two hours. He said that you have many instruction, instructors. Anyhow, one of the translations, you've got many boy leaders, but you don't have many fathers. So I believe one of these things to reset is for some of these great leaders across this nation to take a reset and say, hey, man, Remember, like Terry Larry, that God told him, he said, I got to impart before I depart. 
It's a refocus to say, hey, man, I may be on the jet touching the nation, but what am I doing in my local community? What am I doing in my local house? What's going to take my place? George Jones, who's going to fill those shoes? Who's going to fill the shoes? And so for me, for me, the height, the height now is not about how many charter flights I get. The height is about staying planted in this community right here. And this is it for me. That there's nothing higher that I'm trying to reach to anymore beyond what's in Adel. There's nothing higher that I'm trying to reach to. And my job is, as a leader in this house, is to provide resources for, for my sons in the Lord to, to go forth and do what they do. What they're doing. Do, do what they do. So, from your perspective, and we only have two of you in here, how do you see if we can make this shift? I just want you to t- close it out with this. If we can make this shift to staying planted, I told you this, there is no doubt, and, and this is going all over the lot, there is no doubt that you called to touch the nations. But I told you the nations would be found in your youth group. How you handle the kids here will determine how you will touch nations abroad. There's no doubt that there's travel in you. And I'm not saying that I'm not going to travel any. I'm going to be on, I'm going to be on a plane sometime. But my focus is not to get anywhere. My focus is to stay planted. And that's what I believe the heart of God is saying in this. And God's been speaking this. You know God's been speaking to me this for a while. And so for you, what, what do you think will happen with our young people? What do you think will happen with this Generation Z or this I generation that has never known nothing but a tablet in front of their face how will this transfer them if we can get fathers that'll stay planted and stay isolated and stay hidden inside the local church how will that change it absolutely um matt you want to share anything before i say share share i just want to share this because because of a of that bold decision and because of being planted um we have watched sons evolve and grow and mature and, and, and really what would take most people 10, 20 years, it almost, as, it almost seems that overnight there's been so much growth and, and those that are, that are with us and, and that run with the family know, know, know what I'm talking about. I would just say this, um, something that I've been thinking about a lot lately, moving forward, man, um, we, we, I love the pulpit. Those that know me love. I grew up in the church. It's all I've ever known. I love to shout and run around with the best of them. But, man, the pulpit and the microphone is awesome. But if we're not willing to set that aside, especially now more than ever, and get around a living room, get around a kitchen table, because we have been willing to do that, we have watched boys mature into fathers. We've watched young men turn into mature young men that are burning with the fire of the gospel and have said, you know what? One of the things about apostolic communities and about what he's talking about, one of the things about an apostolic community and an apostolic family of people, they are catalytic pioneers. They are catalysts and and they're planted in regions and in cities to be pioneers like that of an ox that that plows um, to be pioneers. 
And I was sharing with 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 my uh, with one of my right hand guys. I love him with all of my heart, uh, Hunter Hudgens. I was sharing with him. I said, you know what, man? One of the reasons I'm not saying that we have the only model. I'm not saying that that we have the only thing that God is breathing on. God is breathing on multiple ministries all throughout this land. Uh, if you don't believe that, get your head out of the news, man. Get online and look what God's doing at Bethel Church. Look what God's doing at International House of Prayer with Mike Bickle. Look what God's doing in Batesburg with Damon Thompson. All throughout the world, God's moving. But one of the things that I was sharing with him is I was saying, you know what, man? Um, you know, we talk about we want the new. We want to see students saved. We want to see more students. We want to see, you know, sons and daughters and, and teenagers and the Generation Z burning with the gospel and burning for God. We want to see that. But we're not willing to change the way that we have been doing things for years, literally centuries we have been doing things the same way and I and I was you know on the verge of tears and weeping when I was sharing this with him yesterday morning but I told him I said buddy I said I think one of the reasons why we've been able to see growth and we've been able to see maturity and, and growth and and the fire of God hitting our lives and 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 seeing it this play out that what I has not seen and what ear has not heard one of the reasons why we've been able to do that is because we applied the two principles one that where the brethren dwell together in unity, that God commands the blessing, that it's like the oil that flows down Aaron's beard. And just by simply being connected and being unified, it's a biblical precedent. It is a biblical principle that when you dwell together in unity, in family, fathers and mothers dwelling together with their hearts turned toward the next generation with sons and daughters, which is what Apostle Damon Thompson, uh, we, he's coined that term, is necessary transgenerational consciousness. It's not about living for myself. It's about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's about the next generation and them carrying the torch way beyond um, what we could ever think or do. So, so Psalm 133, and then again in Mark 2 where it says, no one pours new wine into an old wineskin. And I said, buddy, I said, I think the reason why we've seen that is because we've been able to, we've been willing to shift the model. And said, even if it feels weird, even if we don't understand it, we cannot keep doing things the way that we've been doing them. Listen, you can even shift it to the business world. By the, by the year, I was talking with, with, uh, with my uncle, uh, Pastor Junior Dees, and by the year of 2026, over 75,000 businesses in the world are going to shut down. I'm telling you, brick and mortar is coming to an end, by the way, because of this reset. The, the world is shifting as we know it before our very eyes. And so what am I saying? I'm saying if you're looking for the new wine today, if you're looking for something fresh, if you're looking for something bold, and, and, and if you're looking for something significant to break out in the outpouring of the Spirit, to happen in your midst, it prob chances are it's probably not going to come the way that you think it's going to come or the way that what it, that it was done. That's then right. shift your mindset, shift the wineskin, get planted with a father. We could be Galatians 5 says that until the law, when the law was in, I'm butchering it up, but when the law was inactive and when it was in play, you were under the government of tutors. You were under the government right. of the law. But yeah. when Jesus came and when the kingdom came, now you are under stewards. Now you are under people that are over your care that are That's set right. before the appointed time. I remember Lou Engle sharing that one of the hardest things that he ever had to do, that he's probably ever had to do, is to know that he was called, to know that he was anointed, to know that he was consecrated and set apart, you know, to do great and mighty exploits for the Lord. 
that he had to sit there under his spiritual father, Chehan, and wait until the appointed time for him to come. And because he was willing to sit and to stay planted, as Apostle has shared, and be flour- and flourish in the house of the Lord, because Lou was willing to do that, God pulled back the veil on the, on the mall in Washington, D.C. He pulled back the veil and allowed the world to see into a man's personal prayer life, all because one man decided to stay rooted and to stay planted. So, man, I'm telling you, sons get planted, daughters get planted. If there's not being new wine being poured out, you might want to reconsider relocating. Find somewhere where there's not just some flashy preacher, but there's a man that's willing to weep like this man has done all morning and say, you know what? I'm willing to lay my life down um, for sons and for daughters. That's what this is about, man. If, if it's, it's what the whole thing is about. Let, so. let me add one more thing for you, Jovene. Malachi closes out. He says that he's coming to turn the hearts of the fathers back into the children and the children back into the fathers. One of the things that this COVID-19 has done is made an awareness of the elderly. It has made an awareness of the older generation that we must take care and we must. Let me tell you, one of the first roles of wisdom One of the first roles of wisdom is to be able to recognize who to honor. And I'm telling you, as wisdom comes in these days where we have dishonored the generation. See, I I don't knock the silver-haired, the bobby-pin-wearing Pentecostal, because that's what pioneered us to where we are today. Are you with me now? But But I am also realizing that there's something new. Behold, I do a new thing. Now, let me say this. When it comes to football, the lifespan of an offense in the NFL is very short because it doesn't take long for a defensive mind uh, to be able to dissect what you're doing. And, and if you want to be successful, you got to constantly evolve and change. you got to create window dressing and all of that. If the church is going to remain relevant in this hour, if we're going to continue to have a voice in the region, come on, somebody. If we're going to continue to remain relevant, we cannot do church as we've always done it. We cannot keep we cannot keep doing a youth group by giving them an Xbox and a pizza. And I appreciate we have all of that here, but there has to be something offered. At, at, at a, there has to be something of a more excellent way, and that more excellent way is love and relationship. As I was always told coming up, that people doesn't they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And let me say this: it's a ministry with a microphone is very easy. I can drop the mic, get off the stage, come in my office, which is very nice, and then exit out my side door into my truck. But doing life, doing life with people is very costly, and it is very expensive, and it is very difficult. One is a short path, and I've, I've trained my natural sons just as well as my spiritual sons is. Anything that comes quickly is not worth having. It takes a lifetime to build a legacy. It takes a lifetime to build wealth. We're after wealth, not riches. Riches come and go, but wealth is here, and wealth is transferable to generations. And so there's a big difference between teachers when it comes to fathers. Teachers give you informations, but fathers give you impartation. Fathers have the ability, they not only share in the success of their sons, they also stand in the weakness of their sons. And so I believe this, this, this whole deal of this reset, calling, calling us, causing us to go back to focus on what really matters, and that's just, hey man, where we're planted. We're planted here in Cook County. This is it. And I am very proud 
If you'll see, I, I don't know if it's on the camera there, but I have the water tower that says Sparks, Georgia, hanging in my office. And I believe God prophetically named this city and that Sparks will fly from Sparks, Georgia. <laughs> we will be known for our sending capacity, not our seating capacity. If I never run a 1,000 people, it will not mark my success. If I'm not, if I don't have a known speaker at my funeral, it's not going to matter. What I want there is the ones that I've done life with, stayed in the trenches with, and invested in. So close us out. Just just real simple. Uh, I was at a conference several years ago, and Jason Vileton made the statement, and it, it just struck me. I'd heard it before, but um, living only for yourself is the lowest form of living. Come on. And we've had that model. Stan and I have had that model, you know, to us, you know, that there have been times where, where he would sacrifice so we could have or we could do. Or I've, And I tell this story. I've told it publicly. We don't sit down to a meal with him that we ever. You don't even have to take your wallet out of the truck because you're not paying for it. And anybody that's ever eaten with him would tell you that, you know. And I think it's. And now, now when I'm with people, I do, you know, I take care of the bill, especially people who are under me and, you know, who are gleaning from me. But I, but seeing that model, I think, is, is what, you know, just that model. Because like you said, I grew up in that structure where the, the person didn't see anything past the, the four walls of the church or that church or that denomination or whatever. And seeing the city for what it is and seeing, seeing who, who's, who's, under your care in the, in that city and in that you know in your house and all that and I just look at the ones God's given me and, and able to pour into their life and we have a we have a young worship team I think there's just a handful I mean we have a big worship team but there's just a handful over the age of 40 you know what yeah. I'm saying and 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 I look and I'm like Lord God we have children up here I mean we have 12 year olds leading an entire congregation and I'm not talking about sheepishly I mean full-blown, put-you-on-your-knees-bad-to-the-bone type deal. So I I think that, and we've learned, and I think that's the thing that we reset, living only for yourself is the lowest form of living. If I could, that's the biggest thing to me right now is is when I'm dead and gone, I won't, like you said, the the verse come to me too, you know, though though he's dead, he speaks through the grave, you know. So anyways. share this one thing and I want pastor to pray for us I feel like we're to declare because when you were talking about the city man I was just thinking about that Isaiah 35 yeah um and even this Isaiah 60 but about about sons and about fathers and then we'll close this but I we have watched the power of hope what I'm what I'm trying to say is this a lot of a lot of people look at sons and daughters and because they're because they might you know live a life that doesn't necessarily line up to the standard that they're not willing to give them a place and to allow them as as pastor matt does every sunday with his worship team allowing daughters that that may not be doing every little thing right in their life listen jesus didn't just buy us he bought the dirt too so what i'm trying to tell you is is that if you're waiting to empower somebody 
um, you know, leaders in the church, if you're waiting to empower a son or a daughter, if you're waiting to empower somebody that's at your corporate ministry and you're waiting on them to get everything right, you nor them will ever get everything right. And if you're waiting on them to be, to be completely cleaned up, we're going to be waiting for the rest of our lives. Jesus knew what he was doing when he Come went on. to that cross that day. It's the whole Come reason on. why he went. And so anyway, I, I have just been so moved by the willingness to step out. What does a father do? A father looks on the inside. What does a mother do? A mother looks at a person, what's on the inside of them, and brings language and says, you know what? Even though you don't see yourself as great, I choose to see you as great. Come on. We have not received the spirit of slavery, but the spirit of adoption as our soul cries out, Abba, Father. What am I trying to say? When you have somebody that's great, when you have somebody that's great, that, that's a bona fide apostolic leader, look at you and tell you, hey, you may not you may not feel like it. You may have made a ton of mistakes. Maybe you've blown it a thousand times. But today, I'm looking at you in your face, and I'm telling you, I believe in you. Come on. I believe that you can be great. I see great destiny on the inside of you. This, this is the word of the Lord in Isaiah 60 that came to Isaiah. It says, rise up in splendor and be radiant, for your light has dawned. And Yahweh's glory now streams from you. Watch how many times he says the word you. Look carefully. Darkness may blanket the earth. Darkness may blanket you. Darkness may be all around you. And thick gloom may cover the nations. But Yahweh rises upon you. And the brightness of his glory appears over you. Nations will be attracted to your radiant light. You stay planted. Nations will come to you. And kings to the sunrise glory of your new day. Lift up your eyes higher. And the last part says this. Look around you and believe. Look around you and believe. And so, man, I'm I'm stirred. I just want to declare that Isaiah 35, man, over them today. About the city. About when, because when the righteous are blessed, a city is exalted. Come on. So let's let's just declare that over our city, man. I, that's that's what apostolic people do. They make declarations. Elijah prayed that it wouldn't rain, and it rained, and it didn't rain. You know what I'm saying? Let's declare that. With that Isaiah 35, I think it's I 35 that goes from Austin back into Waco. And if you looked at the 20, I think it was 2018 or 2019. That's 2018. 2018, the trip advisory that Waco was like number two of the destinations of the des- number two places to go in a, to visit in America. There's nothing there but Baylor University and a lake except for two people, Chip and Joanna Gaines. And five acres where Magnolia, where the silos are, is, is a beacon of hope throughout all the nation. And one of the things that they made a decision is we're going to stay planted in our local community. And instead of traveling the globe, becoming rich for ourselves, we're, we're go- we're, they're going to come here. And I'm just telling you, man, this is what's happening in this reset, man. Look, there's two things I want you to look for this week, and I want you to really get in your prayer life. Number one, the creativity of heaven. You pray the creativity of heaven to come over the school board and the school leaders and all of this. I'm telling you, I, I'm believing this, man. Hey, I wrote in a tenure. I was in my I was in my lodge one night praying in the wee hours of the morning, and God told me He said, "You pin down what you want to see happen in ten years." Friends, I don't, I'm just telling you, if you stuck in that little fishbowl of just your own church, you've got to start looking out now. You've got to get outside the fishbowl and get outside of the walls of just South Georgia and start looking at the globe. Listen to this. Do you know that there's a word out there circulating that several people has already declared this, that cancer will be eradicated in 10 years? 
I'm telling you, man, we are see, we're going to see innovation like never before. Where the enemy comes in like a flood, God said he would raise the standard. I claim Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon formed against my family shall prosper. Every tongue rises up against us shall fall condemned. Come on, somebody. We are blessed people of the Lord. And so you need to pray that, God, give me creative wisdom. I believe some business is going to be birthed in this, man. There ain't no businesses going down. Business is going to be birthed in this. We're going to see whether you like him, hate him, whatever. It makes no difference to me. But I remember Trump standing on the podium, and a reporter asked, what are you going to do with the, with the collapse of the market and stuff like this? He said, we will overcome this virus, and we will surge like never before. I'm telling you as a nation, we're going to surge like never before because what makes America great again is not the wealth of this nation, but the gospel and the beacon of hope that lies in this nation. And God will set us up again, friend. I'm telling you, he's not done with us. Don't fall under the lie that God's judging America, all of that. Get all of that mess off. Get back in. All the judgment of God went on Jesus Christ at the cross. It is finished. That's what my Bible says in Matthew 27. No more punishment. No more judgment going out. God's already judged that in Christ Jesus. What he did was leave us the keys of the kingdom in Matthew 18. Come on. He said, I give unto you the keys of the kingdom. It's time for you, believer, to rise up. You are one of those craftsmen. Your business in this city is a craftsman. You speak hope from your Facebook channel. You speak hope from your Instagram. You put hope in your windows to this city, in the, to the windows in this city. You hear the country coming out of them and calling it windows. But you put that. You are a craftsman. You're a Bezalel in this city. Rise up and realize it. God's Spirit is in you, friend, for a time such as this. The Holy Ghost is in you for you, but He is upon you for someone else. Also know that in this time of isolation, God is planning us. We are about to change and transform like never before. Where we've been hopping around, now we are planted. And those that are planted in the house of the Lord, they shall flourish. Friend, I prophesy that your marriage is going to flourish like never before. Your business is going to flourish like never before. Your children are going to flourish like never before. I declare everything that is hooked to you shall flourish in the name of the Lord God. We bless you this morning. Thank you for tuning in. We're not apologizing because we went long. Glory to God. We could really go four more hours. God bless you. Listen here. We're going to see you here Wednesday night. Listen, if you want to give, don't forget to give. Not if you want to. It's not an ask or suggestion. It is a command. It's just we trust him as Jehovah Jireh. You can mail your ties in at P.O. Box 618. Mail your give P.O. Box 618 Sparks, Georgia 31647. You can get on the online platform if you don't have the the app text uh, sparkswillfly.cc to it's, he should put it up on the screen so you'll be able to see it if those of you that have the app you can just give online if you don't have our app friend get the app keep up with us keep tuning in we're going to be preaching this glorious gospel releasing hope right here from Sparks Georgia God bless you all friend we'll see you next time amen we hope you enjoyed our message of the week. Thanks for joining us. Our passion at Cornerstone is our family atmosphere built on deep relationships. We want to connect with you. Please take a moment and download our app and connect with us on social media to stay updated with all things Cornerstone. We pray you have a wonderful week. Amen.